Today, we need to talk about the consequences of living your life as if it's a performance. Let's go. Self-care isn't easy. It requires doing hard things. Being uncomfortable is mandatory. It's not for the weak, and it's not for the fragile. But that's okay. We don't mind. Because we are weakless. Hey everybody, welcome back to A Moment of Weakless. This is episode number 25. And today we are going to start what I think is probably going to be a three-part series where we're going to be talking about being weakless and self-care and health and all of that in relation to other people and how other people affect us and our concerns about other people, all of that. And we're beginning with this concept that is oftentimes not understood, but super, super common. In fact, virtually every woman that I work with finds that on some level, and sometimes a very extreme level, she is living her life as if it's a performance. So let's start at the very beginning and explain why this happens. It's because it's kind of ingrained in you. It's kind of a hardwiring. And we can look around the world and see that that's crystal clear. Young girls hit puberty and become popular based on popularity, like how many people like them. And that even continues later on in life. You see people like, you know, the Paris Hiltons and the uh, Kardashians, and that never happens in men. You know, there are no men that are famous for being famous. And you look at like the high school situation, the cheerleaders that are the most popular, the most popular girls are just popular for being popular. They have the most people that like them. The boys will all be popular because they are the star athlete or they have the nicest car or they make more money or they can beat up the other boys, whatever it is. You can see this play out. I'm not on social media a ton, but you can see this play out in places like if you ever watch America's Funniest Videos, you see a video of a young boy. He will always be showing you what he can do. So he'll be like doing a trick on his skateboard or his bike or a trick shot with a basketball. And basically what he's demonstrating is what he can do that other boys can't. And when you see videos of girls, they will be showing you what they look like. They'll be dancing around or just basically saying, look at me. And in the human mating dance, the females put on the passive display. So despite being the choosers, the ones that get to decide whether or not mating actually happens, except in situations like rape, the women will always be the ones making the decisions. The men are out competing for the women. So they're throwing elbows and trying to get to the top of the heap. They're basically trying to get the biggest antlers that they possibly can. And they take a lot of risks. They aren't risk averse. The women are passively trying to attract as many men to put on that display as they possibly can. And all of this lends itself to a place where women in general tend to think of other people whenever they think of themselves. And they tend to think of other people in everything that they do. So, for example, there was a book written by a couple of women, Kay and Shipman. The book was called The Confidence Code. And every time I mention a book, I like to throw in the disclaimer that I really enjoyed the book, but I don't always agree with absolutely everything in a book. So please don't go read a book and say, Jason said this because I didn't. That's somebody else saying it. 
and I don't necessarily agree, but there was a lot of good stuff in that book, a lot. A couple of really interesting points that they found was there was a big company, and I think it was Hewlett Packard or somebody like that. I can't remember for sure, but a big company that was hiring from within. So they had a job posted to their employees. And when the authors, or maybe it was a researcher, analyzed the data on that, what they found is that the men would apply for that job when they had as little as 60% of the qualifications. The women would never apply unless they had 100% of the qualifications. Basically, what was that saying? The men were saying, I'll figure it out. I just need to get get an edge over these other guys. I'm going to get in there and just do it. I'll figure it out, whatever. I just, this is an opportunity. I got to climb the ladder. So they're being super competitive. The women were worried about how they would look. They couldn't take that job and end up looking stupid. So in each decision they make in their lives, they're going, I might be able to do that, but how am I going to look when I do it? And interestingly, that's one of the parts that of that book that I didn't really love. After reading it, I got the feel that what Kay and Shipman were calling confidence wasn't exactly what I would call confidence because you might say, am I confident that I could dig this ditch? But what they really meant is, am I confident that I could dig this ditch and then get approval for it? Or will I look stupid while I do this? Will I be digging this ditch and look like I know, don't know what I'm doing? Whatever it was, they were constantly including other people in that word confidence, not just, am I confident that I can go do this, but will I look good while I do it? And should I be worried about that? And they gave another example, looking at NBA players versus WNBA players and There were some interviews with NBA players who had missed multiple free throws in a game. And when they asked those men what was going on, they would say, oh, you know, I just need to put in more time and and get out there and really practice more free throws. I just kind of was having a bad day. I let it slip up, whatever. And they would imply that they were going to go do more work on it. And the women would never mention anything like that. They would immediately start talking about how they let down the fans and they let down their teammates. So they weren't talking about free throws. They were talking about how they appeared. Now, how does this translate into real life? Well, I see this all the time. I see situations where women freak out about photos on Facebook or Instagram. They need to know that if there is a photo showing them doing something, that this isn't about what they're doing. It's about how they look. And if they see a photo of their friend doing something, the first thing they do is look at how their friend looks. They're analyzing their friend's body because that's super important. doesn't matter that they're friends at Disneyland. First, I need to look over this person and see how she's putting on the performance that is her life. And then we have situations where, you know, just recently I talked to a woman who had to clean her kitchen before a repairman came to work on her sink, I think, or maybe her dishwasher. A repairman was coming over and she frantically hustled around and cleaned her kitchen, had to get her kitchen just right because, well, life is a performance. It's very important that you make sure that when anybody looks at you, they see what that you want them to see or what you hope they will see, because usually what you want them to see is something that's far better than what you're telling yourself. You're saying, I suck. I'm not very good at most of this stuff. And if I go out and put on this amazing performance, then I'll be able to hide the ways that I suck. 
But even if you're not saying that in some situations, because you probably are saying that in very many, but in some situations when you're not saying that, you're still telling yourself it really matters what everybody thinks of me. And women don't like to make waves. They don't like to stick up for themselves. We'll talk about that in a future podcast episode in this series here. But they don't like to make waves. They like to be very agreeable. And that is because they can't fathom the idea of somebody maybe not liking them. I remember I was talking to my assistant years ago now, and she was dealing with a bunch of people at her work that she wasn't getting along with. And she asked me, she goes, haven't you ever worked at a place where like people didn't like you? And I go, I don't know. I don't, I'm, I don't know. Uh, yeah. I mean, probably, uh, probably worked places where some people probably even hated me. And she was just like stuttering. She couldn't grasp the concept that I didn't know that, that I wouldn't go try to figure that out. Like, how could you go to work and not be concerned with who likes you and who doesn't like you? And that was just a completely foreign concept. Now, please, ladies, don't assume that I'm talking about men having any advantage over you. In this particular area, they do. But men can stress themselves to death. They compete like crazy. It's not any more fun to be a man than it is to be a woman. We have all of our own mess. So I'm not saying that, but I am saying that this life is a performance thing is a painful way to live. It's really what's behind virtually every weight loss goal that I ever encounter. It's, I have to look a certain way. Well, why do you have to look that certain way? Well, I just want to lose weight because I'd be more confident. And as we've discussed before, you're basing that on what you think everybody else wants you to look like. If you were raised on a desert island, you would have no idea what a body should look like. And if yours was 300 pounds, that would just be a body. So there's no performance when there aren't other people to perform for. And it's just interesting how deep this stuff goes. I have conversations on a regular basis where I can't get a woman to tell me what she wants without considering other people. Like you're struggling in your relationship and I'm asking you, well, what do you want? Like, how do you want this relationship to be? And you literally just can't answer without also telling me what your spouse or partner wants too and how that would affect them. No, what do you want? Paint a picture of what your life would look like. Every time I ask that question, women go back to what they think other people want them to be, what they want them to look like, how they want them to act. They want to be agreeable at all times. They want to do whatever they need to do to not look bad. In some cases, that manifests in people telling me that they're introverts. When they're not introverts, they're just insecure. They're not like the type of person that literally gets drained by other people. And they're fully confident. They're not afraid of other people. They're not, you know, hiding. They're fully confident. They just get drained by being in crowds. That's an introvert. Oftentimes what those women actually mean is, I just like to go hide in the corner at the party because if there's any attention on me, it means I have to perform. And then when they're having conversations with people, they're not living outwardly. They're not meeting somebody new and going, look at this new person here in front of me. I want to get to know this person. Let me find out if they are somebody that I would want in my life. No, that's not what they're thinking at all. They're thinking, 
What will they think of me? What did that look on their face mean? What did I just say something stupid? What do they think of that thing that I just said? They're driving home from the party and they're replaying their conversations. They're not remembering what people told them. They're reciting what they said so they can analyze it to see if they looked bad. They can check in on their performance and find out if they were okay and see if they can come to some sort of a conclusion that says that I've made a good impression. People like me. So they walk around with this filter that says, first things first, I don't really like me and, or, you know, at the very least, I'm not sure about me. I'm not confident. So I'm constantly self-assessing. I'm questioning me. So they hold that up as if it's like a pair of sunglasses that they look through and they see their entire world through that lens. And you'll see it when women are dating, like if they're single, what's the first most primary concern? going out on a date. Will he like me or will she like me? Will they like me? I need to make a good impression. Not what dating is for. Will I like them? The only reason I'm going out on this freaking date right now is to find out whether or not I like this person. But the entire concern is, will I put on a good enough performance? And that leads people to feeling like frauds. You go to work and you do that. You do that with with new friends. You do that when you date. And later on, you're saying, oh my God, what's going to happen when they find out who the real me is? This is a painful way to live. It makes for constant self-deprecation, constant self-assessment where you're constantly assessing your value. And in all honesty, that's probably the root of it. That's probably where it starts. But it makes you live your life in such a way that everything that you're doing is for the approval of other people. Everything that you're doing is to try to find out if you're okay. You can't stick to self-care in a situation like that because it's not selfish enough. You're not just trying to make your life as awesome as it can possibly be and letting those effects flow over into your relationships, which is awesome for the other people. You're constantly worried about everybody else. I need to fit in is a term I hear. Like I'm worried that I don't fit in. And I'll ask women things like, what happens if that person doesn't like you because you speak your mind or you don't let them walk on you? What happens if that person doesn't like you? What would it be like if you went through your life not worrying about whether or not people liked you? And those women will oftentimes literally say to me, well, I'd end up alone. I wouldn't have anybody around that cared about me. Come on, are you serious? Are you serious? Basically what you're saying is, Jason Seib and all the other people like him and all the other women that he's helped or that came to him with all of this stuff intact, all of those people are lonely and miserable and they have terrible lives. I honestly believe that. The only way to have a good life is to go out in the world and freak out every day about what everybody else thinks about you, which means perform, 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 or your life will suck. Of course, they don't actually believe that. But this is a really, really hard thing to overcome. It's very difficult. I have like one-on-one coaching clients and clients in diligent mind self-care that have been working on this for years and have made great progress, fantastic progress, but they still run into it. They still catch themselves in there with those performance type actions, those things that they catch themselves doing and they realize, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm performing again. I was talking to a client the other day in a coaching session and a photo had got posted on 
Facebook of her with a guy friend and uh, they had their arms around each other and she found out that this picture got posted online. And the first thing she was thinking is, oh my God, everybody's going to think that I'm dating this guy because she's a single woman. She's actually a widow. And uh, sure enough, people started calling her and asking her, oh, are you dating this guy? And she was just so concerned. She was so worried, like, I don't want anybody to think this. And I go, why? What happens if they think that? How do you suffer? I said, I'd be messing with friends like that. I'd be posting all kinds of pictures with my arms around all kinds of people. And when they asked me, are you dating that person? I'd go, I don't know. I don't really want to talk about it. And just mess with them because who cares? What, what happens? What's the downside here? But life is a performance. When you're that kind of person, life is a performance and you need to curate everything that you put out. When do you just get to go be you? When do you just get to go live outwardly and say, this thing looks interesting. I'll think I'll do that. That person seems fun. I think I'll hang out with them. And really importantly, I just want to take care of myself because I like this life. It's valuable. I want to go experience more of these awesome things. Not, I need to change myself so that I'll like myself more by being able to tell myself that other people probably like me more. So now it's okay for me to like myself. It's all just nonsense. Your life is not a performance. And when you live that way, you live on a roller coaster of emotions. You live on a roller coaster of emotions that is created by every encounter. Did you perform well enough? Oh, okay. Well, I guess you get to feel okay. And how do you know if you performed well enough? Well, usually you just got to make something up because you don't really know. People don't say, I like you or I don't like you. You've just got to guess. Well, they smiled a lot, so they must, must like me. Oh, I get to feel good today. And the next time you have an encounter with somebody that's got indigestion, for God's sakes, you just jump to the conclusion that they hate you. And now you got to feel like crap today. That is a terrible way to live a life. And it makes for that emotional roller coaster that causes emotional eating. It causes people on the self-care front to just start and stop repeatedly. It's one of the worst things that I see and it's one of the most common things that I see. Now, why is all of that in this podcast? Because describe that person the way I just did. Say, this is a person who doesn't really like herself very much. And she's constantly questioning whether or not she's good enough. So she goes out and she performs. She has to be wearing the right clothes that hide the parts of her body that she doesn't like. She has to be just right in photos. She has to say all the right stuff. If any of this stuff doesn't work out, she ruminates about it. She just feels things. She feels negative emotions. When we say all that, does that sound weakless to you? No, it does not. It sounds weak. It sounds fragile. It sounds like today life is going to throw things at me and it's kind of a crapshoot for whether or not I'm going to get run over by those things. And what that really means is whether or not I'm going to get run over by my thoughts. So I could talk about this for hours and we'll touch a little bit more on it in the next couple of episodes as we go deeper in some more specific subjects. But do you live your life like it's a performance? I could give tons of examples. One more quick one. I also work with a client who plays tennis on the weekends and she plays in a group of people that are just basically playing for fun. It's been nearly impossible for her recently. She's actually getting better right now, but it was nearly impossible for her to just go play tennis and have fun. 
because all she could think about was whether or not the other person was judging her tennis game, whether or not the other person was having fun, because if they're better than her, how could they be having fun if she's not as good as them? Everything she did on that court was, what's the other person think? If you start digging into your life, I guarantee you're going to find stuff like this. Start looking around at where you are focused almost entirely on what you think other people want you to be or want you to do and start looking around at all the ways that you judge yourself and really importantly, the things that you ruminate about. I bet you anything, 80 to 90, maybe 100% in most days of the things that you ruminate about will be how you think other people think of you. Give this some real thought because it is a crappy way to live a life and it's not weakless. It is weak and it's painful. It sucks and it basically lasts forever. You literally outgrow this at, at like, you know, maybe 90. I, I, I've worked with plenty of women in their 80s who are still doing this stuff, still just constantly concerned. Some women do seem to grow out of it, but I would say the huge majority do not. It's, I live my life according to what I think other people want from me. And I can't risk losing even one person on that list of people that I use to decide whether or not I'm valuable. I am only as valuable as the number of people that like me. What a terrible way to live. It's very painful, very non-productive when it comes to self-care and you can change it. So what I'd like you to do today is just to go out into your life and start tagging that stuff. And chances are I've overwhelmed you. You're going to be seeing it all day long. Go give this some thought. It is absolutely worth the effort. If you want to jumpstart on how to face the discomfort in this stuff and really get to work on it, then you're going to want to grab the Discomfort Zone Workshop. Link is in the show notes. And I will talk to you next week. Take care.